Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. Because I'm of the belief that ADHD has always been around. But if we were to look back, it's like when we're all cavemen and we're in tribes and things like that, these are the guys that would have been the really good hunters. They're there for a reason. They should have been out the front, pushing the boundaries, taking the risks, and we needed them in society. Sharon Collin is the founder of The Functional Family, an organisation that supports families that are affected by ADHD and behavioural issues. Both Sharon's husband and two eldest sons have ADHD. She is passionate about providing resources and support for other parents that are buckling under the pressures of raising children that are challenging. Sharon works with parents to help create sustainable home environments that are both functional and far more joyful. Sharon helps to empower these families with the ability to advocate for their child and put an end to the stigma that often comes along with the diagnosis. This is such an interesting topic and one that is definitely not talked about all that often. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today, Sharon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. Great. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I wish they would talk about the pressures and the stigma of raising children with behavioural challenges and what we can do to help these beautiful families. Wow. Okay. That's a big topic. And um, there's a fair bit of depth of experience there that you've gone through. So tell me a bit about that. Why is this a topic that's so dear to your heart? It is something yeah, very close to my heart. And as um, you would know, I live it every day. Uh, so I married a beautiful man that's got very, very severe ADHD. He hasn't grown out of it. It's not something that he's gotten better with age. He uh, was pretty much banned from the classroom at school, uh, never invited to parties, uh, and it's it sort of infiltrated into his everyday life. And uh, we went on to have three beautiful boys, and two of those have ADHD. Uh, one of them is yet to be diagnosed. So it's something How that I live with every boys? day. Uh, I've got Xavier, who is 11, Ashton, who is 7, and Harvey, who is 5. Oh, beautiful. And what age were they when they started to show signs that you picked up that there were behavioural challenges and and potential ADHD? For Xavier, our first child, it was right from the get-go. He was a very unsettled baby. He always had clenched fists. He was always fighting in his own body. We tried everything to see if we could work out what was going on with him. He had reflux and he was very unsettled in general. Uh, but once we sorted that reflux issue out, it was he was still just always so unsettled. He got very upset when you changed the routines. Um, so if you fed him after bath time or swapped it around uh, and we were able to pick up and because, you know, I know my husband so well and I'd worked with ADHD kids in the past, I was able to pick up that there was something else going on with him. 
very early. Um, Ashton, my middle child, is a little bit more under the radar. He's not as hyperactive as Xavi, and they're the presentations that sort of fly under the radar a bit. Uh, but for Xavier, it was very obvious. Interesting. And so for people that do have children or, you know, siblings or people in their lives that they do recognise, like what are the classic symptoms of, of um, ADHD? Okay, so it's a neurotransmitter issue. So it's literally a brain that's wired differently. And, um, and that's an important thing to understand because a lot of people have all these misconceptions and stigma about ADHD. Uh, they often don't tell the teachers or tell their family that their child has it. Uh, and think about that for a minute. That's a huge thing to not do. Um, we all need to understand it a little bit better. So some of the classic things are low frustration tolerance, um, an inability to, to concentrate or to choose what they're concentrating on. You know, they have problems with impulse control. They have problems with emotional regulation, forward planning, working memory, executive function, that sort of thing. So people just think it's a concentration issue, but it's really not. It's so much bigger than that. It's something that affects their whole lives. That's the negative side, but I don't want to ever talk about just the negative side. There's things that make it really positive as well. Uh, we know that there's a lot of really good thinkers that have ADHD. So there's things like they're outside the box thinkers, they're go-getters, they're um, really good at taking risks and pushing us all forward. So there's, there's positive things too. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, but one of the things that I wanted to touch on is how do you define, and especially with a person that doesn't have my own children, so I have stepkids, but they were older when, um, when I met them. So some people feel that they would observe a child like that from afar or, you know, in their group, you know, family and friends group network, and they would say, oh, that's just a naughty kid. Like that's just a kid that's, you know, not disciplined properly rather than actually there's a, you know, should say a neurotransmitter element going on there. How do you deal with that type of uh, feedback? That is the really, really sad thing. I mean, if you could see ADHD, if it was obvious, you know, if, you, if they had all had purple hair or something or they all had, you know, something that was going on that we could identify them easily, there's no way that people would treat them how they treat them you know, and say the things about them that they would say. I've been asked to leave sporting groups and things and, you know, ex you know asked to leave parties and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's so we're socially isolating these people and their families. You know, the mothers cop huge amounts of, you know, just passing comments and, you know, they don't get invited to parties and things like that just because they don't have impulse control. They, they can't help it. It's literally something that they're living with. And we, we just handle it really badly as a society. We've got because we can't see it, if we if if they had something very obvious, we would never treat them like this. Yeah, it's interesting, and I think you know to kind of call that out, like with you know now that we're a lot more aware and understanding and forgiving, I guess, of people and children, especially with uh, things like autism or particular um, challenges, then you know, we do recognise that and we are a lot more empathetic than potentially we were previously. So I think your point's really valid around, you know, you see this kid having an absolute wobble, you know, throwing, doing its nut or whatever and going, oh, God, can't the parents look after it? Can't, can't they sort that kid out, you know, or whatever? To your point is actually you're living with this day in, day out, you know, not just in social kind of settings like that, but also all day, every day in the home. Is that why you started to do the work that you did in terms of what you were living with, but also how you could help others? Yes. I mean, that's hit the nail on the head. So when I went into the doctor's office and Xavier got his diagnosis and I knew it was coming, you know, <laughs> But I just was really stunned by the lack of, like, so we got medication, right? That was our, our thing. 
And then I was like, and then what do we do? What, what else do we do to support him? What, what do we do? How do I get him out of the house in the morning? You know, how do I get him to put shoes on? And no one had any answers for us. We tried everything. We tried every single diet, every single therapy. We spent $25,000 on trying to help Xavier. Psychologists, occupational therapy, physical therapy, like just so much. We just threw everything at it because I... And this was after you knew, though, that he was diagnosed or was this before? This was before and after, so yeah, it obviously okay. ramped up. So I knew, I knew in my mind because of Anthony's family and every male has ADHD in his family, it's very strong, it's often passed on. And so I just felt, remember feeling so lost in that doctor's office and walking out thinking, what am I, I going to do? I've got to raise a fully functional human here and I am just not equipped to deal with the stuff that he's throwing at me. Like it is too big for any one person. And so I set about researching what I could do, trialing everything. I did, I was like a, a person on a mission to help my little boy because I knew the statistics aren't great. You know, they've got a higher risk of suicide. They've got a higher risk of ending up in jail. They've got a higher risk of death from accidents. You know, I, I looked at my husband's experience in his life and I was like, this is not going to be how my little boy, this is not how his life is going to go down. Like I am not having that for my little guy. So I use mm, that drive. Great, <laughs> oh, thank you. you. Oh, it's lovely though that you've taken that approach, you know, rather than kind of wallowing and going, oh, poor me and what am I going to do about this kid? Like actually you're taking a really proactive way to, to assist him and to go, okay, we've got a challenge that we're going to deal with, but we're going to find a way around this. It's lovely. If you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. What I learned through all of that, and it was 10 years, it was 10 years in the making, Wow! is that there's certain things that we can do to really help these children and help their families. And that's why I put together this, uh, the company, The Functional Family, because I wanted to support, I didn't want any other mother or any other uh, parent to sit there in that doctor's office and feel as alone as I did 10 years ago or 11 years ago now. And I wanted to give them really, really clear practical strategies on how to live with these children. Because, you know, there's a lot of psychological strategies on how to deal with meltdowns and stuff. But seriously, that doesn't help me when my child's on the roof. You know, like he's on the roof, you know, he's, everything's happening really, really fast and I've got to work out a way of not only protecting him but also protecting myself from burnout because you only have to look on every single ADHD group on Facebook and there is mums on the edge of sanity there. They're going to give up, they're, they're, you know, and I've done it as well. I've Googled boarding schools. I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to cope with this? Um, but what we do need to do is support these families and give them really, really clear things like steps that they can take to make their lives a little bit easier. Often they're not NDIS funded. We're not giving them any support government-wise. There's a very, very tiny carer's allowance if they meet the income threshold. Uh, but there's really nothing else that's on offer there mm, for these families. Interesting. So you started your uh, website and business called The Functional Family. How, how long ago was that? That was a year ago. And we've helped over 11,000 families. Oh, amazing. So what sort of things do you do with the program and stuff? So I've noticed like there's a, a couple of different elements around it. You do a seven-day uh, kind of, you know, 
part to begin with and then you do coaching and then the kind the main thing is around the six-week program that you um, take people through which sounds really interesting yes so it's a six-week program and it's called calming the chaos which is exactly what every parent will relate to I like it. Uh, and it i did target at ADHD, but it's not just for ADHD. The strategies work for whether the child has behavioural challenges, anxiety, or, you know, if the mum's just feeling a little bit out of control. It's It can work for pretty much anyone. And I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, just in today's society, especially with what's going on, you know, through COVID and homeschooling and trying to do your job, like the pressure on parents now is just extraordinary and I see you know a lot of my friends that have got young kids and what they're trying to battle and that's yeah where yeah none of them have obvious behavioral challenges but they're just kids and they push the boundaries and you know I sort of said to you when we chatted around you know I was had been suspected I think of having ADHD before it was really defined when I was a kid because I was up to everything and anything I would push the boundaries on everything possible and I'm one of four second child so my mother you know like yeah, she had a rough time trying to deal with me. And so I think that that's, you know, something that parents are dealing with all the time, aren't they? So you've got some advice on, you know, some things that could apply to anyone. Yes, that's right. And I mean, it's very practical strategies because if we can support the parents in the everyday stuff and if we can raise functional human beings, because what we're now, what we're dealing with now is kids at the acute stage of, you know, this disorder, it's all very acute at the moment, but eventually they're going to have to be adults who have to get to work on time right they're going to have to get their they're going to have to get themselves dressed and out of the house and to work on time and they're going to need to be able to hold a job and be a functional member of society and everything so i was looking at that from my son's perspective thinking look well, this is where he is now how is he ever going to be that so i've got to give him the tools to be able to be a functional adult. And and that's one of the reasons why the functional family is called that, because I really wanted to make sure that everyone could participate in this amazing life and, and get out there and be functional. And there's certain things that are just so like every day, like admin, boring stuff that we have to do, but their brains find it really, really challenging. For a lot of kids, that's really overwhelming. There's a whole sequence of things that have to happen before you go to school. And we want to make it as easy as possible for these kids. And then if you can support the parents and give them really, really clear strategies and give them things to make them feel like they're kicking goals, then you watch this beautiful flow-on effect. They have more energy for the children. They give the children more eye contact. Um, there's a lot more expressive and praise and things like that they give to the children when they're not so exhausted. And that is where the magic happens. That is where the you know the whole family can come together a little bit more and, and start enjoying life because well, there's a lot of families with kids with behavioural challenges that are just surviving. And um, that's it's just no way to live. Like I've been there. It's, there's no there's no way to live. It takes its toll on everything. It's a beautiful outline, and it's wonderful that the work you're obviously doing in this space. And clearly, there's nothing else sort of you know in this area as well. Just I mean, it must be even that sense of I'm not alone. I'm not the only mum that's you know got this stuff going on where I feel like I'm not good at my job. You know, like I'm not a good mum or whatever. Rather than actually recognising there are some elements that you know that you've given in terms of some strategies where um, that can assist to uh, make my house a little bit more um, calming. I guess yes, yeah, part of it. But being in a household where you have your husband, which you've obviously been been together for a while, and learning from him as an adult now about the ways to sort of you know progress through from childhood to adulthood and then with your sons I mean talk to me about that because that must be fascinating to kind of learn as you go and how you're kind of building to assist others as you're both learning about that as well I mean I've taken a lot from the professionals that I've 
worked with you know I've in the course we interview a lot of like you know a great pediatrician a great occupational therapist and we've I've sort of amalgamated all of these things that I've heard through researching it and then tried and tested everything to see what works best for my husband and son's brain so I know that they're not great with the with the mundane things because it because it's it's actually a really bad name ADHD attention deficit disorder right but it's not an attention deficit they just don't have a choice about what they're concentrating on they can focus they can focus quite well but it's often on the things that they're interested in so if we play to their strengths and we just get the stuff that's that's boring out of the way and give them the time to do the stuff that they're good at like the creative stuff the working with their hands the outside the box thinking if we if we get the boring stuff out of the way the life skill stuff's out of the way they've got more time for the stuff that their brain is wired to do because I'm of the belief that ADHD has always been around but if we were to look back as like when we're all cavemen and we're in tribes and things like that these are the guys that would have been the really good hunters they're there for a reason they should have been out the front pushing the boundaries taking the risks and we needed them in society we actually needed these guys Uh, but now we're asking them to sit at a desk and work on a computer and they're just not wired for that right most of the time unless it's computer games where they can hyper focus and it's all like yeah but they're just not wired for that so we've got to play to their strengths so Doing things to streamline the everyday task is how we can help their brain. We need to make sure that there's very, very clear visual cues in place, routines in place, uh, and that you're doing the same things in the same order, you know, each day. So they're not having to, they have to use so much brain strength to think about what's coming next. Let's just streamline that stuff for them. Let's get it done. So it's happening through almost like muscle memory. You come in, you, t- you know, you put your keys in the bowl, you've got your clothes laid out because you did it all on Sunday, you know, like let's streamline all the boring stuff and give them time to do the stuff that they're good at. So that's a huge fundamental part of the course. You know, when you hear about some of the amazing creatives and thinkers in the world and how they have like a uniform, they wear the same outfit all day, every day. And it might be, you know, the black T-shirt or the, you know, some of my female mates have got their entire wardrobe is just black because they know everything goes with stuff and they don't want to think about that. And that's just one less thing that they have to think about and concentrate on um, because, you know, they are sort of on the spectrum with stuff. And so they recognise that and that just takes that off their to-do list in the day and it makes things a bit easier for them. So I guess recognising those elements. All those little decisions add up, you know, like they all take away brain space, yeah. Well, and also, isn't there a statistic around, you know, we make so many decisions, but like in terms of the exhaustion we use every day about how many decisions we make or something. So, you know, streamlining that's probably for all of us to learn it'd be better, right? Two things I wanted to kind of wrap this up with um, with you on, Sharon, was one around if you are a parent and you have a child with uh, behavioural challenges and you are in the public realm of which someone, you know, people are having an opinion about how you're parenting your child, what is your advice in terms of how to navigate that. And then the second part of that is for those of us that are observing or a part of that, that then, you know, we're seeing our mates that have children that are challenging, how do we support our friends and family? For the parents who are in the thick of it and who are raising these kids, support is important. So get on, you know, a Facebook group. I've got one myself and see what other people are doing and know that you're not alone in this. We don't talk about it, which is why I love this podcast. No one talks about all the struggles that they have. We all want to put happy Facebook photos on and look at everyone else's perfect life, but this stuff can be heavy. So I want people to start talking about it, talk to your friends and actually explain to people what ADHD is, what it's like to be ADHD or what it's like to, you know, have a child that, you know, can't emotionally regulate, what it's like to have a child with sensory processing disorder, you know, and and educate those around you about what it's actually like. 
Uh, and then how you can support those families is that you can, if you see that child doing anything good, it doesn't matter how small it is, praise that child. The child that has behavioural challenges gets so much more negative feedback than the child that doesn't. So praise them. Get, just catch them out. If they do something, oh, wow, I saw how you put your, you know, your drink in the bin there. Well done. You know, give them something. Praise is important. Every child needs praise. So we need to amp that up. And also be there, be a listening ear. I've got a fabulous article in my blog that I did with my son, which is called, um, it's 12 steps on how to be my friend. And in there, my son and I talk about what you can actually do to train your children to be friends with a child with ADHD. And it's things like having a safe word. If the ADHD child's being too much, too in your face, well, the other child can say, they can say a word that they've agreed on and they'll know that they need some space right now but that they still want to be friends. So, you, Or you can say to them if they're not emotionally regulating and you can see a child's about to lose it, you can say to them, you know, your child can say, how about we go for a walk, you know, and let them know that they can actually leave the situation that is overwhelming them. They can actually, you can go for a walk with them and remind them that they actually, they can get out of the situation. Um, so there's a whole lot of little tips like that that is great. Some tips for the actual parents of things that are important if you have a child that is showing these behavioural patterns. Exercise is incredibly important. We know that uh, lots of physical exercise is great for these kids. I know you mentioned that that's what your parents did instinctively. Yeah, it was that they made, they enrolled me in every sport possible. I think that's why I was such a good athlete. <laughs> And then uh, the other thing, uh, which I know you probably get to, is around diet. And my mum recognised I was in the days, you know, growing up in the 70s. Cotty's red cordial and green cordial were very popular in the day. But mum worked out the correlation whenever I had that and how I was just unbearable. So I was always banned to have any of that sort of, you know, food colourings and stuff. So she worked that out early on and kind of took that out of my diet and, you know, banned it from the house and made a significant difference. But I'm curious about your view on, you know, diets and and preservatives and things as well. And, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of research in this space now. Yeah, well, the Southampton 7 study is uh, clearly shows that not just ADHD kids, but most children get affected by colours and preservatives and things. Um, That is a very, very easy way to test whether your child, you know, to, to remove those things to see if that has an impact for your children. I mean, I would never give my child a red frog and then expect him to do anything that makes any sense. You know, like it just, it just, um, it's just doesn't work for him. And that's something easy that parents can experiment. It's, it's quite easy to do. You just read the label. There's an app on your phone that you can get called Chemical Maze. You can put any numbers in and it'll have a happy face if it's okay or a sad face if it's not. And it's very, very easy to do. And once you know the brands, you know, it can be like one brand of salsa has five numbers in it one has none. You just, you get to know the brands that have none and, you know, it's, it's easy to do. Um, that's one thing that you can do. Some really good advice. Yeah. I think for all of us though, right? Like, because we all would function better if we don't have that kind of stuff in our bloodstream, surely. Yeah, sure. We cannot raise our kids on some sort of weird science experiment. It has to be back to basics and I, you know, nothing extreme, but just, you know, keep everything as clean as we can. Routine and consistency is incredibly important. I spoke a lot today about how we can make things easier to play to these kids' strengths to help their brain out. Um, Let's not exhaust them with the boring mundane stuff. We'll get that done nice and easily for them. Supporting the parents through, you know, like just keeping the conversation open, asking them, is there anything I can do? Invite their kids to the party, guys. 
these kids often don't get invited to any parties. They're the naughty, like, you know, they label the naughty kid, uh, invite their kids to the party, make them, you know, even if they don't come, just invite them, let them feel included. That's one of the biggest things that I get from all the kids in the community is that they feel like they're left out. The parents feel judged and isolated and the, the kids feel they just feel left out and they just they know they're different they feel it that's a huge thing to grow up with on your shoulders yeah and i think as you said before like if if a child had cerebral palsy or they had autism they would be included and invited and so how do you navigate that but um i think that's a really really good point to actually um to finish on sharon so you've given me so much insight today and i've learned a lot and uh, so i hope the listeners you know and that will help people that are navigating this space immensely or you know those that are observing and supporting others too so thank you for all your words of wisdom and your great advice there Oh, thank you. And thank you for allowing me to bring this topic to the forefront once again. You know, I, I really do believe that if we can help these kids, especially when they're younger and we can support these families, you know, we're going to see some amazing people come forward. They're the outside the box thinkers. They can bring stuff that's different and exciting to the world. So we need them. Definitely. And I think, you know, that whole, like the whole premise of Wabi Sabi is embracing imperfection. And that's a key element of that. We're not cookie cutters and we need to be, you know, really supporting, embracing and absolutely loving individuality. And uh, if we can see that and encourage that in our kids, then the world's going to be a better place, right? That's right. That's right. Thank you, Sharon. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, You'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of Wabi Sabi, and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.